Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. But in saying that, let's get into our Easter message this morning. Easter Sunday, come on. Mark chapter 16, verse 1 to 7. You cannot go past uh, the section of Scripture entitled The Resurrection on Easter Sunday, right? It'd be a little bit of faux pas, you know, you preach on like Leviticus or something. Um, Mark 16, 1 to 7, here we go, it says this. It says, Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, I'm going to go with Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. I love that. I love that they did not come to Jesus empty-handed. They bought something to Jesus. I think about that when we come into the church. Like, what, what am I bringing to contribute? See, I can't get off it. I'm trying, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get into my... Let's keep reading that. This is very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? I believe that the, the, those that don't know Jesus yet are asking such a similar question. How do I find peace? How do I find joy in this world, in this, how do I find satisfaction? How do I find contentment on the relentless wheel of faster, stronger, better, bigger success, uh, accomplishment? How, how, who, who is going to help me? Who is going to help us? This is but as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white robes sitting on the right side. The uh, the women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look. Look. Sometimes we can read over something. So many times in Scripture, and we don't see. And we don't see. We can can look and not see. And Jesus is is like, he's like, this angel, he's like, look. See what what is actually going on here. This is bigger. This is more significant. When you're reading Scripture, don't just read words on a page. Look. Let the Spirit bring revelation to you. There is more going on here than just a story about some guy that lived a few thousand years ago in Palestine and Israel. There is more going on. Look. This is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we are so grateful for Jesus that he left heaven, that he put on human form, walked planet earth for the purpose of the cross. And God, that when he did that, He made a way for us to know you and to have a relationship with you. And we are so thankful this morning. God, I pray that as we read your word this morning, we would see things that we have not seen before, that your spirit would reveal things to people this morning. 
that they would find answer to their questions, that they would meet Jesus for real here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know, I don't know um, if you had a chance to come to our Good Friday service. It was amazing. It was so powerful. Um, for those of you who didn't get a chance, uh, it's probably one of those services that we don't actually record and put online. So I want to encourage you next year. I really value, I don't know if you're like me, I value the, the, the chronological progression of Easter, right? The Thursday night, the garden, the silence, the solitude, the struggle, the humanity of Jesus on display. The Friday, the cross, the moment, his sin, our sin, sorry, our sin, put on him so that we might become his righteousness, right? Unbelievable moment to celebrate that, to have that last supper communion moment. And then the Saturday, right? Like, I don't know what you did yesterday. I went to the beach, it was awesome. But that's the, that, that's the moment of disconnect. That's the day Jesus is in the grave. And then Sunday, right? If we don't do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday lacks its value, if we don't realize that there was the suffering and the cross and the silence, Sunday loses its value. If we, if we don't realize what Jesus truly saved us from, if we don't have a moment where we feel the weight of our sin just for an, a millisecond and realize that it was Jesus who lifted it, we will miss the value of Sunday. So I want to encourage you next year, put in your diaries, Good Friday, be there. Give yourself that opportunity to come and sit at the foot of the cross and just feel, just, just be reminded, oh, that's right. That's right, I'm a sinner, saved by grace, right? That follows real quick after, because we don't, we don't need to sit under the weight, but it's good to be reminded that that was the weight Jesus lifted. But this is an incredible passage of Scripture this morning, not just about the resurrection, but really I want to zoom in on something this morning. I want to zoom in on the fact that this angel, this angel talking to Mary, really, really calls out Peter, Right, like calls him out big time, right? It's like, hey, go and tell the disciples, especially Peter. And I don't know, I don't know about you, if you've ever had like a moment where you've been called out on something. I, I've had a few in my time where you sort of you get singled out in front of people. Like it wasn't like a one-on-one angel. It was like, there was like all, the, all the women were there, the same ones that made it to the cross when all the men weren't there, right? Like they all left. John kind of was there a little bit, but... And, and, and Peter gets kind of singled out in front of them and... And I, I remember things like school assemblies. Anyone remember school assemblies? Come on. I'm telling you this morning, I'm going to work really hard at getting you involved in this message. Because church is not something that we spectate, right? Because church is us, which means we participate, okay? So you can agree. If you feel like it at any point in time, you can, you can clap your hands. You can say amen. You can do something. My challenge for you, your, your challenge to me is to finish on time. My challenge to you is that you would be involved. Amen? Come on. There we go. And it's always in assembly, you know, assembly you get singled out, right? Like you get called up. And so most of the time it's good if it's assembly because you're getting some sort of sports award or academic award or, or those sorts of things. So, <clears throat> sometimes, sometimes not so much where you have to be the person that's pointed and you have to stand up and you just have to be the one standing up while everyone else is sitting down because you were talking. I don't know if that was anybody in here. But, but you know what the worst kind of singled out at school was? The worst kind was the name over the PA during class. <laughs> Nathan Welburn, come to the principal's office, please. Because everybody knows, right? Everyone's like, ooh, busted. 
Even if you were going there for a really good reason, even if you were going there to be asked to be the representation of the school at the Anzac Day service or something, you know, which was, that was definitely my, my, you know, my experience, not the, <laughs> not the other. Um, but we have these experiences of getting totally like singled out. I hope you can relate this morning. This is Peter's singled out moment, right? Peter is getting singled out. Um, go and tell all the disciples, especially Peter especially Peter. And so Mary, Mary runs back. She's got this ex- expectation, it's excitement. She's like, oh my goodness, like Jesus is risen. This is amazing. Um, and, and, and he's like, he's risen. By the way, Peter, in front of the disciples, imagine it, right? Oh, by the way, hey, Peter, there's the angel who's telling us Jesus is risen. He said, I've got to tell you, especially you. And Peter's like, oh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, yep, that's a little awkward. Why, 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 right? Because when, when you get singled out at school, everyone wants to know why. Everybody wants to know why. It's not just enough that you might have got singled out. And that's why assembly was great because the why came quickly, right? It wasn't, like, it wasn't like the walk that you had to do past all of the classroom windows after everybody because they couldn't single out a classroom on the PA system. It was like the PA system that went into every classroom. So now every kid, doesn't matter what year group they're in, they're all looking out the window. They're like, whoa, there he goes. He's walking, right? They're all wondering, oh, what did he do? What is he getting in trouble for? What happened? And I can imagine the disciples are exactly the same. Exactly the same. They're like, well, why Peter? Oh, Peter, what did you do? What did you do, Peter? And I'm, I'm glad because we get... We get some background in, in, in Scripture, right? We, we actually get to know what it was that Peter did. We get to, we get to read about what Peter did that meant that he, he really, really earned, if you will, or really required or needed, or there was, there was something that, that this angel and, and obviously Jesus through this angel has said, hey, hey, when, when they come and look for me, that's why he was sitting waiting because they knew they would come, right? But when they come, make sure you say to them, oh, he's risen, it's awesome, but just make sure you go tell Peter. And the reason, the reason that Peter really, I think, needed this, we actually find a little bit earlier in the story. We find, and and for those of you who have been in church for any sort of period of time, this is going to be a bit familiar to you this morning, but I really believe God wants to speak to some people out of this this morning. But it's it's actually in Mark 14. It's Mark 14. And, you know, I, I kind of titled this message this morning, especially Peter, but I, I, I guess there's a bit of a sub, there's a subheading, if you will. And the subheading for me would be from fire to fire. Because there's something amazing that we see, and we're going to do this journey this morning where we go from one fire with Peter to another fire with Peter. And it, something takes place, something very significant for Peter takes place between one fire and the other. And really, it's the story of the resurrection in an in-person experience. If you want to know what the resurrection of Jesus looks like in a real life, it looks like what happens to Peter when he goes from one fire to another fire. And, and Mark 14 gives us this little bit of insight. I'm going to, I'm going to kick it off at verse 27. I, just, I need to bring a little bit of context here. So verse 27, it says this in Mark 14. On the way, Jesus told them, all of you will desert me. Not great friends. For the scripture says, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Interesting, that's exactly what, exactly what the angel said. Just remember, Jesus has gone ahead, like he said, to Galilee. 
and I'll meet you there. And Peter, <laughs> Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. I don't ever know if you've had moments of boldness where you like make this outrageous claim in front of your friends or something. Um, that's Peter. Peter is like this over committer, right? He's like, he's often, uh, we would say Peter lives with his foot in his mouth. Uh, he's the type of guy that, that really leads with exuberance and not always a great deal of wisdom. Um, he, I, I like Peter because I feel like I relate to the level of passion that Peter brings, right? He's passion over thought, over reason. He will act on, on emotive response before he really thinks about the consequences. And here he's like, you know, I'm, I'm so in Jesus. Even if everybody leaves, I'm never going to leave. <coughs> and Jesus just very, I just, I can see it. I can see it just like, Peter. Peter, I tell you the truth. Peter, this very night, actually, (laughs) before the rooster even crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. (laughs) No, Peter declared emphatically. Like, I love that he says no to Jesus like that. It's like as if, as if it's like Jesus doesn't already know the entirety of the future. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. All of the others vowed the same. Do you know, just as a side note, just as a side note, that is, that is right there a picture of our lives. Jesus, I'm never, I'm never going to deny you. And then we walk into our workplace and on the, on the, on the altar of social connection, we, sacri- we deny Jesus straight away. Or, Jesus, I will, I will die for you. I will... I will, I will I will happily have social death in order to elevate you. And then we walk into our school playground. We're like, what did you do on the weekend? Oh, nothing. <laughs> what did you do on Friday night? Uh, nothing. How about you? And we, we, we do exactly what Peter did. I'm never going to deny you, Jesus. Hands raised on Sunday. Come Monday. Oh, it's a bit awkward. It's a bit awkward. It's a bit difficult to go to that space. It's a, bit, it's a bit hard to acknowledge that actually I depend on someone who I can't see. That's a strange conversation to have. But this is where, this is where the resurrection is so amazing because even though we're all Peter, we're also all Peter at the other fire, which we're going to find out in a little bit and so it says this further on right they're having this discussion you're not gonna I'm not gonna deny you Jesus says Peter don't overcommit when I know that you're not gonna do what you say Mark 14 53 then it goes on they have Jesus gets arrested it says they took Jesus to the high priest's home where the leading priests the elders and the teachers of religious law had gathered Meanwhile, Peter followed at a distance. He's doing so well right now. He's like, he's like, yeah, I'm committed. I'm in. I'm not, I'm not going to let go, Jesus. I'm not going to deny you. I'm, I'm following. I might be following just at a distance, but I'm, I'm, I'm there. And it says, away. he went right into the high priest's courtyard. He went further than anyone else. Like, let's, let's just, Peter did pretty good. He didn't trip over on the first rock on the road, right? Like he went right in to the courtyard. He was like up against the wall. He probably might even be able to hear what's going on inside. It says he's warming himself by the fire. And this is our first fire because this is the moment where it all falls apart for Peter. 
where his big extravagant declaration towards Jesus really just comes undone so quickly and so easily, right? Like, I love it because it's so much the same as our lives. It just it comes undone so quickly. Mark 14, 50, 53, 54, sorry. It says, Meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance, went right into the high priest's courtyard. There he sat with the guards, warming himself by the fire. Verse 55, inside the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they couldn't find any. One more, one more little passage of scripture here, Mark 14, 66. We've got to get the story. We've got to, we're, like, we're like the school kids in the classroom. We've got to know why, right? Why, why did Jesus single out Peter? What was it? Mark 14, 66, it says this, around the fire there, Jesus is inside getting questioned and then it says, meanwhile, Peter, Let's, let's take the camera out of the, the shot of in the room where Jesus is getting questions. Let's take the shot back outside into the courtyard. What's Peter doing? Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below and one of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself at the fire. And she looked at him closely and said, you were one of those ones that were at church on Sunday. Oh, no, it doesn't say that, sorry. <laughs> you were one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entry. And just then a rooster crowed. Mm. Jesus gives us so many opportunities. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling others, hey, this this man was definitely a youth on Friday night. I know, because I was going into Charlestown Square and I saw them arriving and no, no. Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you're a Galilean. Peter swore. (laughs) Love it. We get so bent out of shape about the wrong things. A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. And suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And he broke down and wept. That's powerful. Powerful stuff always happens around a fire. That's why, that's why I have a fire pit at home. You know. <laughs> it's interesting, right? Because right in that moment, Peter's perception of himself shifts. Peter thought he was awesome. Peter thought he was the leader. Peter thought he was like, I'm Jesus' right-hand man. I am on it. I'm never going to fail you. I am, I've got this. I'm strong. I'm confident, right? All those things we say to ourselves. I'm strong and courageous, right? Peter's like, I'm the man. I got this. I'm not leaving you, Jesus. And in an instant, the way he sees himself shifts. And suddenly his own perception of himself begins to get between him and Jesus. And we're going to see this play out because this is, this is one of the last moments we hear about Peter for the entire story of the crucifixion. He disappears from the scene. He disappears from the story. Shame and guilt will make that happen to you. Shame and guilt will cause you to remove yourself some, from the story of other people's lives because you can't carry it in front of people. You feel like you can't carry what you've done. You feel like you can't carry the things that you know that you've done, even the things that nobody saw. You've got to understand there were no disciples around the fire with Peter. None of the disciples knew that he did what Jesus said he was going to do, although we probably should have realized. But it's the shame and the guilt of the reality of it that takes him out of the story. Peter perceives he's failed beyond repair disappointed, 
Jesus. Do you ever feel like you've disappointed Jesus? Failed to live up to his own expectations? Man, I tell you, that's a real thing right there. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get up every morning. I'm gonna seek you. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna read my word. And within three days, it's like I can't even live up to my own expectations. Sorry, God. God's like, you know I already knew, right? Like I knew you weren't going to do what you said you were going to do, and it's okay. It's okay. I wonder, what is Jesus saying to Peter by singling him out? This is what I feel like God was saying. He said, yeah. He said, Jesus is saying, I see you. I see you, Peter. I see how you're hurting. I know you feel like you failed, Peter. I know you've taken yourself out of the story, Peter. How many of us go through our days feeling like we failed in some aspect? I don't know if you're a parent here, but it does not take many days go past where you don't feel like somehow you have failed as a parent. Somehow you've messed it up. Somehow you haven't done it right. Or whether it's a marriage, like somehow you feel as though you've failed in that area. You've messed it up beyond repair. Or maybe it's just just like you're looking at your life and you wish you were married and you're like, somehow I've messed it up because now I'm 30 and I'm not married yet. And somehow we have this prescribed life journey that we should have rather than trusting God and you know what marriage isn't all it's cracked up to be in the Pentecostal church sometimes makes it the pinnacle of Christian maturity and we shouldn't there's power in being single person sold out for Jesus but our perception of ourselves and our, 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 our consideration that we have missed our own expectations causes us to feel shame and guilt and we take ourselves out of the story of Jesus or maybe you lost your job again Or maybe you did what you said you would never do again and you did it again. You went back to the bottle. You overspent significantly again trying to cover the wound of rejection. You're struggling with those same thoughts again that get you so wound up and bound up that you can't interact with people. And Jesus says, I know. I know that thing that no one knows. I see underneath. I see the pain. I see the fear. I see the shame. I see the guilt. Because nobody saw what Peter did. None of the disciples were there. But Jesus knew. And Jesus, in the moment of his resurrection, says to the angel who is going to wait and deliver the news to the disciples, he says, when they get here, I've been seeing Peter. I know Peter's hurting right now. I know that Peter feels disconnected right now. I know Peter feels discouraged right now. I know that Peter feels like he's done something he can't come back from. And he says to the angel, you make sure when they come, you make sure you tell them I'm risen, but, but especially Peter. I mean, if you don't see the love that Jesus has for those that feel broken and lost and disconnected and hurting in that moment, I'm telling you, you are not doing what the angel says when he says, look, because there is so much in that, especially Peter. 
There is so much of the understanding that Jesus has for our own pain, our own hurt, our own disappointment, our own struggle, the things we feel feel we have failed at, the things we feel like we have not measured up to, the things we keep failing at. Let's Let's not pretend in this place that somehow we've all got it together this morning. We all have something that we keep going back to. We all have something that we can't get over, that that behavior that keeps coming up in our lives, those thoughts that keep leading us into a particular place. We're all doing things that should separate us from Jesus but because of the resurrection it doesn't have to he's calling us out this morning especially you I haven't forgotten you he says I haven't given up on you in fact you you are particularly on my mind so much so of all the people that I want to know that I'm alive today it's especially you It's especially you. Can I tell you something I've learned in my life? I've learned that the more guilt, the more shame, the more fear, and the more failure I feel, the more valuable what Jesus has done becomes to me. The more you feel like you don't measure up, the more you feel like you're not enough, that you're to this, or you're to that, or you're not this, or you're not that, or I didn't do this, or I did do that, or I keep doing that. Jesus would say, the more my resurrection is gonna mean to you when you get it on the inside of you, because all of that that you're feeling, all of that that you feel like disconnects you from Jesus, all of that that you feel like paints you as a certain picture, defines you in a certain way, causes you to have a particular perception about yourself, all of that, it gets lifted off. It doesn't matter because I actually, I took it all on the cross with me. Every piece of shame, every piece of guilt, it's on my body and where that went, that went in the grave and it didn't come back out. So this morning we get to be defined by the fact that Jesus took all of that. And our own perception of ourselves doesn't matter as much as God's perception of us. Just like Jesus called for Peter by name, He's calling you today. You today. Especially you. Especially you, Simo. Especially you, Tim. Come on. Especially you. on, you need this this morning. If you don't think you need this, you definitely need this. Especially you, Andrew. Can't see as well at the back, but I'm just going to assume. Especially you, Warren and Hazel. Especially you, David and Judy. Especially you. Especially you. Oh, let us never get to a point where we think somehow in our own strength we might be good enough that this is not us oh don't slip into that sense of self-righteousness I'm telling you no matter how good we think we are we are so far oh we all need this He's calling out Peter not to expose him not to judge him or condemn him not even to reprimand him Jesus doesn't expose. I did not come into this world to condemn sinners. I came to save. Jesus hasn't come to expose you. He's not there to rub your nose in it. He's not not your mates in the school, right? That as soon as you get back, are all gonna be like, oh, 
not calling you out, right? For the next six years of your schooling, you're not going to be able to get over that thing because they won't let you get over it. Jesus isn't like that. The only thing Jesus wants to do is sit with you and say, I know and I've dealt with it. Jesus had just taken everything on the cross and he had risen and he is calling you today. He's calling you by name. He has not forgotten you. You haven't drifted too far. You're not beyond his love. He has made, he's actually made a way for you. Especially Peter was the message from Jesus that relationship could and would be restored. You know, Jesus said to Peter, I know you're going to break relationship. But when Jesus said, especially Peter, you want to know what else Jesus knew? Jesus also knew he was going to restore that relationship. Jesus knows both. He knows all. He knows you're going to stuff up, but he knows he's already forgiven you, right? It's, it's not about exposing you. It's helping you to see that, 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 that actually he's, he's aware and he's also already forgiven. The especially Peter message led to a, a monumental moment of healing for Peter where all the shame and all the guilt, all the fear and all the failure was lifted and his relationship was restored. And I want, if I can, to land on this this morning. Passage in John, John 21. John 21, verse one. I'll give you a second to turn there. I'm really just giving myself time to get there. John 21 says this later. Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon, Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Spewing if you don't get named, right? Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Here's the thing. When you feel like you don't measure up, you will give up your purpose. You will let go of the thing that you thought you were so certain about. You see, Peter was originally called to leave the fishing boat and come and follow Jesus. But in his perception of himself, he thought that, well, that, that, that's broken. I, 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 I didn't follow him. I didn't do enough. I didn't do enough. And some of us struggle with this sense of, I don't do enough. I'm, I don't measure up. I'm not good enough. And Jesus is like, well, that's, that's not followership. Followership is simply direction and position. That you just position yourself to come after, to follow, right? But Peter thought he'd stuffed it up. And Peter thought, well, if I can't do that anymore, I'm just going to go back. And so he's, he had this confused sense of purpose. And you see it because he goes back to fishing. And I just, I love Jesus. I'm telling you because Jesus comes and meets him right in that place. It does not matter where you find yourself this morning. It doesn't matter whether you feel as though you have completely stepped out of the purpose that you thought God had for your life at some point. It's exactly where Jesus is going to meet you. He's going to come right down onto that beach. He is willing to meet you in the exact same way that he first met you exactly the same way and he is going to go to the utmost lengths with you to restore in you every 
point of pain or trauma or fear or guilt. He, he, he reconstructs such a beautiful scenario on this beach, right? Because He, in this one moment that we're about to look at, He comes into every space that is hurting in Peter. Rejection, Jesus re-accepts him. Loss of purpose, Jesus recalls him. It's beautiful. We go from one fire of failure and then we land ourselves in the fire of Peter's future. That's why I love it, right? It's from fire to fire. It's the place in which Peter thought he'd lost it. And it's exactly the same place where Peter realises Jesus found it, right? It's it's the one place where we feel like we don't measure up and we messed up. And Jesus takes us and goes, hey, you know what? That's exactly where I'm going to restore you and show you that actually I have done all that you need. I have been the one who has made a way. And I love this. I love this, right? Because he goes fishing. He goes fishing and Jesus comes and meets him on the beach. It says, as at dawn, I think this is verse four. I don't even know if I put it up there. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who He was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? Have you achieved anything running after the things of yourself? All those accomplishments that you're trying to fill the hole in your life that's meant to be filled by Jesus, all those successes you're trying to achieve, all of that body image that you're trying to craft because you want acceptance and you're trying to fill the void that only Jesus can fill. Have you caught any fish? Has that succeeded? Strangely enough, they're like, no, no, didn't work again, God. That thing that I tried again, it it still didn't work. I know I said I wasn't going to do that again, but I forgot. And and, and I know that you are fully sufficient for me, but but this just felt easier, uh, but it it really didn't work again. It really didn't work again. It says there, he said, throw your net on the other side. Actually, he says, throw your net on the, your net on the, the right-hand side. Come back, come back to the right. Come back to the right way. <laughs> come back to the right way. And you'll get some. And so they did, and they couldn't haul the net because there were so many fish in it. So, I, I, there is so much in this. I, I, can't, I can't do it justice this morning. But the very sense... That, that for the sake of Peter, Jesus would re-perform the exact same miracle where Jesus first called Peter, first called him. That moment where, where Peter was like, oh my goodness, you have blown my mind. I don't even know who you are. And Jesus said, I still want you. He took him back to that same point, that same miracle. And, and, and he's saying to Peter, it actually doesn't matter whether you did the right things on the journey, the wrong things on the journey, nothing's changed. I still want you in the same way I wanted you. When I first called you, I still call you. And I'm gonna show you because I'm gonna redo the same thing in your life that I did at that moment. I'm gonna do it in this moment, right when you think you have lost your way, right when you think you you have no purpose, right when you think you have done too much or not enough to be included in my people, I'm going to come back and I'm going to remind you, I still call you. And Jesus goes and lights a fire. And Peter realises it's Jesus. And I love it because Peter's personality doesn't get changed when he finds Jesus. He's still this over-exuberant thing, right? Because he just, he just leaps overboard, doesn't think. And I love it in my, because they actually arrive if you read into it, Peter swimming and the disciples in the boat, they arrive at the same time. Like his overexpressive exuberance, right? Landed him with nothing, right? Like so often is the case, right? But it's fun. It's fun. It would have been, it would have been an achievement. Like he swam. Good on you, Peter. But 
John 21 verse 9, verse 9 says this. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Don't tell me Jesus can't meet you on a beach while you're camping. I don't know who's watching this morning, but He can meet with you. He can meet with you wherever you are this morning. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard. Of course he did, right? Simon Peter ran down, went aboard and dragged the net to shore. I love that, right? They couldn't even haul it in, but Simon's like, he's so passionate. He's like, I've got this. Tries to pull it all in. There were 153 large fish and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Sometimes you just need to not ask questions. Just allow God to remind you that He's there, that it's Him. It says after breakfast, verse 15, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Hey, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Jesus tapping into Simon's over-exuberant passion, enthusiasm, right? Love it, he knows Peter's competitive, so he just leans into it. Would you love me more than everyone else, Peter? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Peter's not really sure, though, at this point, right? Because Peter still equates love to action. So he thinks, well, I stuffed up, so I don't don't know. Like, yes, I, I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. Sometimes Jesus has to push on the bit that's broken to put it back into alignment. Sometimes the pain of acknowledgement is still there. But Jesus brings it up so that actually everything can be healed in that place. We will have moments life is painful. Dealing with the consequences of our actions, can, it can be painful. It can be painful having a moment where we own up to some of the things that we did, some of the things that we said to seek reconciliation. It can be painful. But that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't leading us to a point of complete healing and complete freedom. The question is, do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked and dress yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Jesus knows that at the end of Peter's life, he's going to glorify God. It's going to be okay, Peter. You're going to get this. Sometime between now and the end, you're going to get to a point where you live in a way that glorifies God even if it's at the moment of your death it's going to be okay Peter and then this is where I'm, this is I promise I'm landing right now you have hot cross buns to eat but this is Jesus said this and then and then halfway through verse 19 it says this then Jesus told him then Jesus told him follow me follow me brings him full circle he brings him full circle to let him know that where he started 
I still love you. I still want you. I still have a plan for you. Three times he failed. Three times Jesus restored him. Went from rejection to love. There was restoration of relationship, restoration of purpose, and restoration of position. He was initially called by name, follow me, and he was then restored by name, follow me. And I have such a strong sense this morning that Jesus is, is, is saying this morning, follow me. Follow me again. I want to restore you this morning. I want to bring healing to you this morning. Whatever it is in your life that comes to mind that you think somehow restricts you in your capacity to follow Jesus, somehow discredits you from following Jesus, somehow somehow means that you can't or, or whatever it is that you think hinders you from being able to do that, I'm telling you, Jesus wants to lift that off your life this morning and remind you that you are forgiven, you are accepted, you are valued, you are wanted. He went to the cross for you. He suffered pain for you. He took sin on Himself for you. So you don't have to carry the weight of those things. You can live free. You can live alive and you can follow Jesus. We don't live to follow Him. He calls us so we know we can. And I don't know this morning, but I know there's a whole lot of especially Peters right here today, right here online where Jesus is saying, especially you, especially you, and you know you need this this morning. You know you need to respond to this this morning in the same way that Jesus invited Peter into a response that translated to his healing, where Jesus says, do you love me? And you get that chance to say, I do love you. I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect. And Jesus says, I didn't ask if you were perfect. I said, is your heart with me? Is your heart with me? If your heart's with me, I can restore. If your heart's with me, I can heal. If your heart's with me, that's what matters. And he's asking this morning, is your heart with me today? Are you following me? Even if you're going from side to side on the path, are you following me? And he's asking you to come and respond this morning, maybe for the first time. Maybe this is your moment where you receive for the first time what Jesus did for you on the cross, where for the first time you're like, I need Jesus in my life. I need that. I need forgiveness. I need, I need that sense of guilt and shame to be lifted off my life. I need what Jesus has. I'm telling you, He is saying to you, hey, come, come follow me. Come follow me. The doorway is open. The invitation is out. Come follow me. Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to C3Victory dot org dot au